you on what I'm calling reigning, R-E-I-G-N, reign, reigning through righteousness. How's that sound? Put that in your pipe and smoke it, baby. Woo! Hallelujah. Reigning through righteousness. That's what we're going to introduce today. And we're going to uh, shed some foundational light on the gospel, on the new covenant. Hallelujah. As Brother Hagen used to say, did you wear your shout quotes? Hallelujah. I'll take that as a yes. Thank you, Father. Uh, one last thought. Parents, if you would help us, and there are signs to please keep the kids off the mat. Also, if we could keep them, like, from the sound equipment and the stage area here. So, uh, just any parents with kids or wives with husbands who like to, uh, you know, play anything, we can help with that. Thank you so much. Romans chapter 1, to get started here, and I am going to be as quick as I can just to introduce this and, and get us on our way, but I'm telling you, uh, I believe the things we're going to teach on here on reigning through righteousness are extremely foundational and will absolutely change, transform your life and empower your, your walk with God uh, just... I can't, I can't, there's not a strong enough word. It will radically shift and change and transform your life. The understanding of the new covenant, of the grace of God, and the gift of righteousness is what you're looking for. It is the breakthrough you're fasting and praying and claiming and rebuking for. It's the answer. Hallelujah. All right? Reigning through righteousness. And I'm telling you now, Every one of us need to hear and understand these powerful truths I'm going to share with you. Because religion, man-made religion, traditions of men that make the power of the Word of God of none effect, thrive on the system of condemnation, guilt, shame, unworthiness. If you struggle with sin consciousness, these truths are going to help you. If you struggle with the lie of feeling far and separate from God, these messages are going to help you. If you've unfortunately been taught the lie that you're always in and out of fellowship with God, depending on your most recent action, we're going to, all that stuff's going to be eradicated from your life. Every Christian struggles with condemnation to some degree. And that's not God's intent. That's the devil's intent. That's the power of religion. And if you will accept the Word of God over your traditions, these things will help you tremendously. Romans chapter 1, very quickly here, I want you to see something. Romans chapter 1. Now check this out. Verse 16, Romans 1, starting in verse 16. Now check this out. Paul says, for I am not ashamed, this is in the King James, This my reading of this, we'll do different translations of different things, this is in the King James for me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the gospel, the good news, the good news, everybody say good news. Good news. news is something that has happened. Fair enough? Or, it, should be, you know, it's it's reporting 
declaring something that's happened, and the news that we have from God is good. It's good news. It's glad tidings. All right? It is the power of God, the gospel is, unto salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, why in the world does he say that? Because the Roman congregation that he's, a, he's writing to here was comprised of Jews and Gentiles. Now, the book of Hebrews was written, written strictly to Jewish people. Other letters were written strictly to Gentiles, like the Corinthians. This book had both, and that's why he says this. And that, if you understand that in the context of the book of Romans, it answers a lot of questions for you. So keep that in mind the next time you read through Romans. He's not saying the Jew has preeminence over the Gentile. For in Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. Doesn't Galatians 4 say that? Doesn't Galatians 4 say that? So the Jew does not have any preference with God beyond what the Gentile has. There is no such thing as that. All right? And we don't have any Gentiles over the Jewish person. Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, tore down the middle wall of division and made one new man, the new creation in Christ. It'll work for man, woman, Jew, Gentile, it'll work for anyone. Hallelujah. For therein, in where? In? Not there. For in, I'm on a trip on that, so I better do that here. For therein, in there, therein, in there, in there what, Paul? In the gospel. Now notice this. Is, therein, is the righteousness of God revealed. For in the gospel, or therein, the righteousness of God is revealed. What does the gospel reveal? What's the good news reveal? The righteousness of God. Now, what did Jesus say in the book of Matthew, chapter 6? Talking to spiritually dead Jews before the cross who were trying to earn favor and right standing with God through the works of the law. He buries them under the law in chapter 5. You know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts unleashing law on them. The Sermon on the Mount is not this... People say, oh, Jesus made the standard higher. No, he did not make the standard higher. He was revealing what the standard always was under the law. He said, you've heard it said, but I say to you, you think if you kill someone, you're guilty of murder, 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 murder. But I tell you, you're already murdered them in your heart if you hate them. You think if you sleep with somebody, then you've committed adultery or fornication. But I'm telling you, when you lust in them after your heart, you've already done it in your own heart. So Jesus wasn't raising the standard. He was revealing what the standard really was. But the Pharisees had changed it and twisted it and perverted it and altered it and watered it down. So it, they could make it seem like they kept the law and could have right standing with God through their own religious works. And Jesus buried them under the law and was basically saying, look, man, none of you guys are right with God through your own works. And then he says it in chapter 6, same context, same sermon says at the end of the chapter, you guys know the verses, but seek the kingdom of God and what? Whose? His right. Stop trying to establish your own right standing, your own righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What does this verse say? The righteousness of God is revealed. The law 
reveals the righteousness of man, which is unrighteousness. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God, which is given to man as a gift. The law reveals the righteousness of man, which is unrighteousness. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God, which is given to man as a gift. Did you get that? Okay. So any preaching, it doesn't matter if it's Jewish, Mosaic law, Pentecostal law, Charismatic law, Baptist law, Catholic law, Jordan law, your mommy daddy law, grandpa's law, tradition, somebody else's law. It doesn't, get, it doesn't matter what law it is. Any law, any message that makes the born-again child of God feel as if they are not in right standing with God is law. And you are not supposed to be living under that mess. Okay? Nothing wrong with the law. The law is Romans 7. The law is good, holy, and perfect. The problem is our inability to keep it. God never gave the law for man to keep. He gave the law so he could reveal that we're not good enough in and of ourselves and that we need a gift of righteousness. Okay? Righteousness is a gift to be received. Not a reward to be achieved. Righteousness is a gift to be received. Not a reward to be achieved. Okay? It is impossible to be right with God through works. It is impossible to be right with God through works. If it's too hot, we can crack the door open again. I just saw some ladies getting cold. Kathy, I'm sorry. It's, you know, at the old building, it was always freezing cold, but today I think I'm, I'm a little warm, and I'm, I'm saying praise God, I'm not too whatever, you know, so. If you need if you need it open or something, throw something in the door. You'll do it. Rondo will make him do it. She just did. Hallelujah. I'm getting the draft. Okay. Okay. I, I saw coats being put on and stuff earlier, I thought, so I didn't know. Nonetheless, now listen to me. It is impossible to be right with God through any kind of works. And that's the biggest lie that Bill of Goods, that religion, has sold the modern church. And even the early church, every, every generation of the church, that's the biggest lie, it seems, that we've been sold. It is impossible to be right with God through works. Now think about this. Please understand this. From the very moment that you placed your faith in Jesus and you were born again, how many of you have been saved for five years or less? Ten years or less? You bunch of holy, sanctified bunch. <laughs> Twenty years or less? 30 years or less. 40 years. I saw some 30s. 40 years or less. 50 or more, I guess. <laughs> 60. 70? 80? <laughs> some of you aren't raising your hand. You How many of you aren't saved yet? 
So some of you are just lying or you can't hear me. I don't know. Okay, 90? I don't, 90 or less? 80 or less? 80? 80, 70 plus, 80 less? Okay, so, all right. Now think with me here, and this is going to be hard for you to swallow. This is going to be hard because you've been told a bunch of nonsense that confused you and lied to you by well-meaning people like myself when I was a legalist with the best of them. I'm just saying, but this is going to be hard for you to handle, but it's just the truth. From the moment you were born again till this very second, you've had 100% perfect right standing with God since then. It's a shame to think about all the time we've wasted believing the lie that we were out of fellowship with God, not right with God. Isn't that a shame? Now we've seen the blood never loses its power, but in practical day-to-day -day believing in theology, we believe every time we make a mistake, we're out of fellowship with God. You've got to keep short accounts with God. got to get that sin under the blood. You can't get your sin under the blood. The blood removed your sin 2,000 years ago. Now that doesn't mean there's no such thing as sin. That doesn't mean there aren't consequences for sin. But what it does mean is, number one, God's not punishing you for your mistakes. And because he dealt with our sin 2,000 years ago through the blood of Jesus. And his blood has never been shed a second time. And it will never be shed again for sin. Either it dealt with sin when it was shed 2,000 years ago. And if it's not worked since then, it's been 2,000 years, it probably isn't going to work. So either it worked or it doesn't work. Praise God, it works. And this is the gospel. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God given to man as a gift. All right? So we sing the blood never loses its power, but then we believe every mistake we make, we're out of fellowship with God, got to get it under the blood. Whatever backgrounds you have has different ways of saying it. Your back's living, whatever. But these things are just inaccurate, all right? By the way, the phrase out of fellowship is literally not in the Bible, Old or New Testament, one single time. And yet we believe it. Oh, I'm doing good. I just prayed. I just prayed uh, my 30-minute devotional this morning. And uh, hallelujah, I'm, I'm doing good. Oh, I just had a critical thought about my spouse. I'm out of fellowship with God. Father, please forgive me. Oh, I'm back in right standing. Oh, I just saw a, a, a something on TV of somebody that... Uh, was dressed with almost nothing on, and, and they said a cuss word. Oh, I'm out of fellowship with God. Oh, I, oh, please forgive me. I'm back. Oh, I walked into a public restroom, and somebody wrote a four-letter word on the stall, and I read it. Oh, I'm out of fellowship with God. Father, please forgive me. Oh, I'm back and I'm standing with God. We believe this nonsense. It's an indictment against the blood of Jesus. We have been systematically theologized to doubt the power of the blood of Jesus. It's a shame. We should be taught to believe in the power of the blood. And tongue talkers and Catholics, and I don't know about the rest of you, but we've been taught that you get saved by grace through faith and all of your sins from the second you first breathed and had your first sin up until the moment you're saved all get wiped out in one fell clean swoop. But after that, from that moment, you stay saved by your works and your sins are forgiven on a sin-by-sin -sin basis. That's ridiculous. Your sins, past, present, and future, were annihilated 2,000 years ago at the cross. Now, John the Baptist said, Behold, John 1.29, Behold, 
the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now the question is, did he succeed or did he not? Yes, he did. Our sin has been taken away. What's that mean? That means we are no longer related to Adam. You do not have that old sin nature anymore. On your best day, on your worst day. On Sundays when you're so faithful and holy that you stay after 12 o'clock to hear the sermon and to, make, to, be nice to, the, to be nice to the preacher. And when you leave service and you cuss the preacher because it was so long, you steal the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's good news. Now, I know it's hard. When you've been taught some, I've, I've had, you know, like on teaching on eschatology and how we have an optimistic eschatology. And people say, well, Jordan, I wish I could believe that. Stop wishing and start believing. Faith doesn't come by wishing. Faith comes by the Word of God. Well, Jordan, I wish I could believe all of my sins were forgiven. Past. Stop wishing and go to the Word of God. The Word of God teaches these things. All right, now. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Now notice this, and from faith to faith. Religion teaches us you start out in faith, but you mature by works. But the gospel reveals you're the righteousness of God from the beginning. We start at the finish line. You understand? If it was a marathon and you finally make it to the end, well, that's where we start. Because Jesus ran the marathon for us. And we start at the finish line, first place, gold medal, and we live from that perspective. Michael Jordan no longer has to prove that he's the best basketball NBA player ever. It's readily accepted. And he lives from that vantage point now. Jesus is our Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan being the best player ever is accredited. You understand what I'm saying to all of us? Well, Jesus did, accomplished it for us. We start from that place, and we live from that vantage point from henceforth. That's a good deal, man. That's so good, somebody should call it the gospel. Hallelujah. That's good news. Woo! Ah, thank you, Jesus. Now, very quickly here, righteousness in the New Testament literally means, you know, your New Testament was written in Greek. It literally means, in the original Greek, righteousness, to be in a condition that is acceptable to God, or to be as you ought to be. To be in a position that is acceptable, condition that is acceptable to God. To be as you ought to be. And, and there's different ways to expound that. You have right standing with God. You're right with God. There was a guy, another guy, I mentioned Jesse DePlanis earlier, another guy named Dean Braxton. He's been on TV a lot. Uh, I know Linda has, she might not even know it, but she has a book of his about when he went to heaven and all this kind of stuff. They asked him what the atmosphere, I watched several interviews, what it was like in heaven, and he explained specific encounters, but he said this, like in terms of relationships and people that you had hardships with on earth, or he said, he said, I don't know how to put it other than this. Everything in heaven is just right. It's just right. You know, some of you, when you go to work tomorrow, you might have had an argument with a, uh, you know, women and men are a lot, you know, two men 
can get mad at each other, and they will they will literally have a fist fight and slug it out and beat the mess out of each other, get up, shake hands, and go drink a beer together or go pray together. And they're fine, and they'll never even think about it. They'll hang out the next day. Boy, women are, you know, you, you give a cross look sign and cheat, and it's on. And it's like the words are sharper than the fist fight, and, you know. And you know, and it could just, and it could be, any, you know, your spouse. Boy, you could have forgot your anniversary. You could have forgot uh, birthdays. You could have, and boy, it's just walking on it. And you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, oh, you're scared to go home, or you're scared to go deal with your boss because you know you messed up the sale, or whatever. This, he said, in heaven, none of that. Everything is just right. Well, guess what? We are seated in heavenly places in Christ. Jesus, as far as you and God are concerned, everything's just right. Amen. Take a big breath and relax. <sighs> if there's any place where you can kick back and take your mask off and be yourself, it's in the presence of Jesus. I mean, you can't hide anything from me. Anyways, what's the point? If you need to go, please do. And I think this is my first closing. <laughs> My first closing, and I'm not joking, people always feel so awkward, so I, I labor it. If you need to go, we won't think you're a sinner, we won't think you're mad. I understand people have things planned on Sundays. If you need to go, we love you, we don't hate you. Please come back, we're not upset, please do. But this is my first closing. Very quickly, and I'll put it up here, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Check this out, this is so good. Starting in verse 27, just a few verses here, and then one more place, and we're finished. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. 1 Corinthians 1, 28, And the low things of the world, or the base, the low, and the despised has God chosen. Boy, I like that. I finally qualify for something. Low, weak, despised, foolish. Jordan's in, baby. Hallelujah. The things that are not, so that he might nullify the things that are. Check this out. So that no man, and I believe some translations say no flesh. I'm not sure. Does anyone say flesh? I lied. Hallelujah. Praise God. Maybe not. So that no man, flesh. Okay, thank you. No one, no flesh. Now, religion teaches us to deal with your flesh. One of my favorites is you got to die to self. If you could die to self, you wouldn't need Jesus. One of the best days of my life is when I found out I don't need to die to self. You know the phrase, die to self, is not in the Bible? Did you know that? Not one time. The gospel never calls us to die to self. That implies very strongly, uh, explicitly, not even implicitly, that your true self is not good. Your true self's dirty. Your true self's not like God. Hardwired contrary to God. That's not true. Your true self is like God when you've been born again. The, the heart is desperately wicked above all things. Not for the believer. You've been given a new heart. I mean, just according to the Bible, if you're into that. You've been given a spiritual heart transplant. If you could die to self, wouldn't you have done it by now? Some of you have been trying for decades, apparently. 
from what you told me. Somebody's been saved more than 80 years. I didn't see hands go up on some numbers here. If you could die to self, wouldn't it have worked by now? Does it ever, does it ever happen? We're not called to die to self. Romans 6, Paul said, Reckon ye yourselves indeed already dead to sin. Believe you're dead to sin and that now you're alive in the newness of life with Christ Jesus. That's Romans 6. Go home and read it. First 11 verses or so. Die to self. Good night. I tried that for so long and I tried hard. And the more I tried, the worse I felt. The worse it got. Myself is like God. I do not need to die to that. Did that go over like a lead balloon, or are you just thinking? It's wrong, man. There's no scripture for it. Well, Jesus told his disciples to pick up their cross. Yes, his cross is our cross. New covenant, Paul, I am crucified with Christ. You've already died with Jesus 2,000 years ago. The old man is gone. Picking up your cross after the cross in the new covenant is to believe you died with him to sin, to sickness, to Satan's dominion, to poverty, to defeat, to the, the things of darkness. You died to that. And all that's left is the new creation that Jesus is and that you are in him. <clears throat> so that no one may boast before God. Nobody's going to stand before the Lord. It's not going to happen this way, by the way, but nobody's going to stand at the gate, no Peter or the Lord or somebody says, why should I let you in? Well, I did this. I did. If, you, if you think in your life right now, like, why, why would I be allowed to enter heaven? If your answer is like, well, I lived holy, and I, I tried to keep the Ten Commandments, and I was a tither, and I was really, I didn't, I quit cussing, and I quit smoking, and like, you might want to make sure you're born again. And you probably are, but you need to rethink this thing and say, I'm getting into heaven through the blood of Jesus and absolutely nothing else. Because no flesh will glory in his presence. But we're taught to pretty up our flesh and glory in his presence on this side. It's silly. Here's the problem. In a lot of our teachings on spirit, soul, and body, which are good, I know Ray and Jane love Andrew Lomick's teaching, and I, it's like Andrew Lomick's hallmark teaching, and it's incredible. And I'm not knocking in. I'm saying some versions of the teaching on spirit, soul, and body teach us that your spirit's good, but your soul and body are bad. That's inaccurate. Now, our, our soul and our body, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions, aren't regenerated like our spirit is. But there's not like some dualistic war on the inside of us, like spirit's good, but no. Start perceiving that your body is, what Paul said, the temple of the Holy Ghost. He likes your body. This body's not evil. Yeah, it, we need to learn to think and walk like our new creation, born again spirit is. But let's not, let's just, understanding in spirit, soul, and body, soul and body aren't bad, evil, dirty. They belong to God. You've been bought with a price, First Corinthians. Amy, you understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, praise God. And I would highly recommend Andrew Womack's, Womack's teaching on spirit, soul, and body, by the way. It is life-changing. Change your life. Check this out. For by his doing, who's doing? His. his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. Not in your church attendance, not in your Bible reading, not in your good works, but in Christ Jesus who has become to us wisdom from God and, he lists four things here, righteousness. So Jesus is our righteousness. How about that? So 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Jesus is our right standing with God. Can you 
handle that? Jesus is our right standing with God. There's never a moment that I'm not right with God because there's never a moment that Jesus isn't right with God. And he's my only boast, my only standing, my only righteousness before the Father. So as long as Jesus is righteous, that's how long I'm righteous. He's been made unto us righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That word sanctification there in the Greek, it's just the word holiness. It's the same Greek word in Hebrews chapter 12 where the author of Hebrews said, Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And we love to tell people, see, that's not what it's talking about. Or you won't go to heaven. It has nothing to do with that. Christ has been made unto us holiness. You can literally say, without Jesus, no man will see the Lord. Well, Jesus is your holiness. So we see the Lord on this side and when we get there. Amen? Amen? Last closing, last verses, and I'm done. 2 Corinthians 5. Check this out. Woo! This is awesome. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Very quickly. Just read a few verses to you there. We'll get out of here. 2 Corinthians 5, and we'll start here in verse 15. And he died for all, this is the NIV, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Praise God for that. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, or according to the flesh, some translations say. So it's not our job to go around judging people by what their flesh looks like, how they act. That's not, our, that's not in our job description. Our job description is to, is to offer them the same righteousness of God that God offers us as a free gift. Let God deal with their flesh. Let God deal with their behavior. But we're supposed to offer them righteousness with God through Jesus. Though he once regarded even Christ in this way, we do so no, no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Woo! Or he is a new creature. Or he is a new creation. Or in the Greek, literally, he is a new species. Ha! Thank you, Jesus. And it always makes me think of that old movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Well, with us, it's close encounters of the God kind, man. We are God beings from another world in these, these flesh pods. We look like the rest of them, but we're a different species. Amen? Praise God. If anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Stand up. If you can, we'll get out of here. Thank you for your patience and for your preacher. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Do you feel righteous? You are whether you feel it or not, but <laughs> do your faith righteous? Everybody should have said yes. Do your faith righteous? Yes. Amen. Close your eyes if you want to. Just in some way, you know, lift your hands or just get before the Lord and just repeat after me, if you will. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. That through your son, 
You have made me right what I ought to be in your presence. Father, thank you that there is. Therefore, now, no condemnation to you. I messed that up. From you to me. Thank you, Lord. I am the righteousness of God in Christ forever. The end. Amen. Hallelujah. Church, I love you. God bless you. Run out of here. Hallelujah.